welcome to the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, where small business entrepreneurs come discover the strategies, systems, and tools to kick their marketing into high gear. If you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get ready to roll. All right, welcome everybody. This is Eli Delaney with Your Marketing University and the Deriving Your Marketing Podcast where we bring in wonderful, fun, cool people that I meet throughout the world to talk about marketing stuff because let's face it, as an entrepreneur, small business owner, most of the time, when we, especially when we start off, we think of marketing as scary, expensive, black magic, voodoo, all that kind of stuff that I've heard before. And quite honestly, it really doesn't have to be. And so the whole point behind me doing this show is to bring in other cool people, share some bits and knowledge, tips, tricks, tactics, resources, and things to show you that marketing is not as scary as it has to be, and it's all things that you can get out there and do yourself. And today's guest is Kathleen Gage. Kathleen and I had a, a opportunity for her. I had an opportunity to hang out at her event just recently in Portland, and she is the no-nonsense, common-sense speaker, author, product creation specialist, which is my favorite thing to do, and owner of Power Up for Profits. She'll be the first to tell you that the quickest path to your dream business is having the willingness to get out of the shadows and be seen and heard in various mediums. And when it's done right, you are viewed as the go-to thought leader. So Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us today. It is great to be here, Eli, and I like the idea of being fun and cool. So I'm going to try to live up to that <laughs> reputation. <laughs> well, you do that. And, I, and you know, one of the things you and I talked about this brief, briefly before was that, that you and I have kind of ran in similar circle, circles for quite a while, and I've watched some of the stuff you've done for uh, probably the last two years or so. And then when I actually made the move to Portland, you are not too far from Portland, and I was like, okay, I've got to reach out to her. I've got to get to know her. And through that, we met at another event, and then you invited me to come out to your Power Up for Profits live event, which was an awesome three-day craziness. I have to say it was really entertaining being one of, like, five guys in the room and being around all these amazing, energetic women, which was really cool. You did a great, great job with that. And that's what really brought me to want to share some of what you have to say with our audience as well. Wonderful. Thank you. And, you know, it's interesting because um, as I, I look at the market that I attract, it is mostly women and then very courageous men. So I, I congratulate you for that. Well, thank you. And it was really fun. I really had a blast with it. So let's let's kind of go back. I want to start a little bit of a history because I know there's some people that, that don't know who you are, that haven't heard of you before. Where did you, you know, tell us a little bit more about what you do and also what's your story? How did you get started doing all this stuff? Well, you know, th that's a great question about what it is I do because um, a lot of times when people are asked that question, they really don't know how to answer it. And basically what I do is I help entrepreneurs position themselves as thought leaders within their industry. And I started my business nearly 20 years ago. It was in 1994. Uh, I was working a corporate job. I was in the marketing department. And I just found after three years with this particular company that I kept hitting the wall with uh, my ability to express my creativity. Uh, I, I could do it to a point, but then it was kind of like, okay, pull the reins in. That's really not uh, the corporate way to be, even though I was cr creating some really, really amazing projects and we had some great successes uh, in the trade show division and in the general marketing division. But I decided that I really needed to branch out on my own. And it was a couple of life experiences that 
pushed me to do it. One was I had a threat of breast cancer at the age of 40, and then I also uh, was taken to the hospital in an ambulance with what they thought was a heart attack right after my 40th birthday. And my dad had had his first heart attack at age 41, so it made sense that maybe that was happening to me. But what it really was is it was life's way of kicking me in the rear end to say, go out and do what you need to do. And so I started my business uh, again in 1994, and... When I first started, I went from a corporate environment into being a corporate trainer. And there's been a, a real interesting uh, transformation, if you will, of what my business was like nearly 20 years ago to what it's like today. I've gone through working with corporate environments. I've gone through working with municipalities, state agencies, the military, uh, police departments, fire departments, all the way into now I work primarily with very small businesses where the entrepreneurs really want to make a a statement of what they stand for, what their life's work is, what their passion is, and make a difference in the world. And that's really the kind of people that were present at my event uh, not too long ago in Portland, uh, primarily middle-aged people who um, they're in their second act and they want to do something really profound with their life. Very cool. And I love that. And that, that event was definitely very true with that. It was amazing some of the people in there who, who were making kind of that same kind of mental shift as what you did. And I love, I love how you talked about the corporate life. You know, for me, I, deal, I did do the corporate life for a very, very small amount of time, completely realized I was unemployable. And my mm-hmm. boss agreed with me at that point <laughs> and decided it was like, um, what, is the, what is the best thing we can do to fix this? And we both agreed it was time for me to leave. So, so we've been there. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially people who are just starting out and that are making that transition, and you, you brought up a really big important, important point with it is a lot of times as entrepreneurs, when we do jump out on our own, it is because we want to make a difference in the world. And I think that that is very, very energizing and scary at the same time. It, it can be, and what's really um, important for new entrepreneurs to keep in mind is you get to create the rules, and a lot of times what we do is we still play by the old rules, thinking that we have to be a certain way, act a certain way, and of course, there's the rules of society, you know, that uh, um, I would say standard operating procedures uh, that we want to follow, but the reality is is that in business today, Pretty much anybody can create a business that is congruent and aligned with who they are and who they want to impact. Um, the, the game has changed completely, and the Internet obviously has had a lot to do with that. Social media has had a lot to do with that. And so what I encourage people to do is really honor who they are and speak, speak their own truth and walk through the fear that what will people think. Um, one of the number one things I hear from entrepreneurs uh, that are new and have been doing their business for a while is, well, there's going to be people that won't like me. And I I say, yeah, you're right. There will be people that don't like you. And what you want to do is you want to polarize your audience because the sooner you do that, the sooner you can find your community and you can do your life's work. Um, I, I often have told people the quickest way to go broke is to try to be liked and loved by everybody because not everybody will like or love what you're doing. And it's not that you want to make enemies. It's not that you want to uh, piss people off. It's really that you want to have a voice and, again, do what you came here to do and do it in a big way. 
Right, and I and I love that so much, and it is, it is really true, and I and I think that that's a lesson I really wish that I had learned earlier on because I had always been okay. How do we how do we solve everybody's problem, and how do I make everybody happy, and all that kind of stuff, and we and a lot of us suffer from that, and I think that that is one of the things that after now what nineteen almost nineteen years of business, I realized that that's one of those lessons I really wish I had learned in the, in the first month because that would have totally changed. How I Absolutely. Did for many, Absolutely. Many years. And it only took me probably 18 years to really get that. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, that's you know, good. That makes me feel I'm not I'm not quite as slow as I was thinking. You know, and I'm a little bit old. I could be your mother. I, I was going to say your grandmother, <laughs> but I'm not going to I'm not going to age myself that much. But you know, I'm going to be 60 in in a few months. And honestly, it, it it took me until my probably mid to late 50s to really grab hold of that. And a lot of it has to do with the people you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with people who live in fear, who are afraid of taking risks, who, um, you know, they, they have to play by the, the old rules, then you're really not going to get to where you need to be. What you want to do is you want to surround yourself with people who are risk takers, who really believe that they can make a change in the world, and who are willing to step out of their comfort zone. Uh, because a lot of people just want to stay in that comfort zone and they don't want to rock the boat and not much happens when you're not willing to step out of your comfort zone. Right. No, I totally agree with that, which kind of leads us to, to one of the things that you're really known for is helping, helping people become thought leaders. And so let's kind of start with that because that is, it's kind of a buzz term right now, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the way you do it is a little different than, than, well, quite a bit different than a lot of the buzz people out there. And, you know, we'll put them in the, in their own category of everybody wants to be a thought leader, but nobody's really getting anything done. You're not like that. You're exactly the opposite, which is one of the reasons why I was so attracted to your message and how you put things out there. So from your thought process, define what a thought leader is. Well, a thought leader is somebody that when you think of a certain community or you think of a certain problem that certain people will come to mind. These are the people that bring the solutions to the table. These are the people that are making things happen. And it's not that they're necessarily even world-renowned, but within their communities, they are the go-to people. And the, the distinction for me is really finding um, what somebody's passion is, what their life's work is, and then getting them out of their own shadow. Because oftentimes people know what they should be doing, but again, they have this protective veil that they, they keep themselves wrapped in that, God forbid, somebody should criticize what they're doing. And true thought leaders are willing to step out and they're willing to deal with the criticism that will come because, quite seriously, the more visible you become, the more of a target you have on your back. And some people can't deal with that. And, again, it's not that you want to purposely upset people, but when you do anything, no matter who you are, um, I, I had a mentor years ago who said, even if you were Mother Teresa, you would still have criticism. And so it doesn't matter who you are. There will be people that like what you're doing and people that don't like what you're doing. And the true thought leaders are those that are willing to speak their truth and just walk in their power. Right. I love that. And that is, you know, as I think as entrepreneurs, I think it's one of the things, one of the first things that we really do need to, to embrace because I see, you know, we, we want to change the world. A lot of times when somebody jumps into the world of entrepreneurship, there's, there's what I like to call two types of entrepreneurs. And one of them is true entrepreneurs. And the other ones are what I like to call business owners. Business owners, generally, they jump into a business because that's how they're going to make money. 
where an entrepreneur actually wants to change the world. They want to solve a solution or solve, solve a problem that somebody has. And it's a, it's a different mind shift behind it. And I think that when you do that, what ends up happening is that you are – you have to stand out. You can't be the autonomous guy hiding behind the scenes. You know, it, it's interesting you should you should say that about uh, the ones who are just wanting to make money and those who want to change the world because actually just uh, a little while ago I was talking with my partner about a client that recently we've gone our separate ways. And this woman has incredible potential and yet she is afraid of her own power, and every conversation we had was, how can I make more money, and it wasn't about her life's work. And, you know, I am a believer that entrepreneurs should make money and make great money. Um, I, you know, that's something that helps us to do more of what we're here to do. But if money is the only driving force in your business, you're going to get bored with it, you're going to uh, get tired of what you're doing, the passion's not there, and I, I have a whole group of people that I work with that their purpose is to change lives, and they know by doing that and by honoring that, they're going to make great money. Um, a, a conversation I was having with this one client who is so money-driven is she was talking about price points, and I said, well, it's not really what you charge, it's the value you bring to the table, because you could charge $100 for something that somebody else is charging 10000 for, and your $100 may be too much compared to the 10000 would be the right price point because of the value that the person brings brings to the table and the perceived value by the end user. So if people are simply money driven, then you are a commodity. You're not, uh, you're not really the solution. You are a commodity and you're, you're something that can be thrown away in the consumer's mind. So it's really about determining what's the value you bring to the table, how do you impact people's lives. Now granted, there are entrepreneurs that could care less about that. And that's great, but those are not the people that I work with. I, I truly work with the people that feel that they have a higher purpose in what they're doing. Right. And I and I love that. My you know, I've always had the the concept that that money is the result, it's the byproduct of the value you add to the world. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I'm a real firm believer that we are given that abundance to share it. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of uh well, I work with animal rescue organizations, and most of the animals that we have, except one, I think, have all been rescue animals, and we're talking mm -hmm. three horses, two dogs, two cats, and the better my business does, the more I can help these organizations financially, and I don't even have to think about it. Um, you know, it's something that I feel it's a real blessing to be able to just say, okay, that organization needs a few hundred dollars to buy dog food this month. Let's go ahead and donate. Um, on up to it could be in the thousands. And so it's really a matter of looking at what your business can be a vehicle to accomplish on other levels too. It's not just with your customers, but it's in other areas that you have an affinity to. Right, and I and I do love that, and you know that was one of the things that I thought was was pretty cool. When once I found out more about you, is that you're you're an animal lover as well, which is that's what we are. It's our, um, you know, growing up, my daughter used to wonder why we had more pictures of the dogs than we had of her until she. <laughs> and then it, then it took about you know I think around the age of fourteen, fifteen is when she got it, and mm -hmm. now she totally understands. Um, so that and that's cool, and that's if you think about it as entrepreneurs, that's what our that's what our life's work is about is about changing the world and helping other people. And you know, one of the definitions I heard about entrepreneurs is uh, or entrepreneurship is 
um, someone who solves problems for a profit. And as an entrepreneur, we should make a profit. We should make a good profit for what we do. But it's not about the money. It's about the value that we add first. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, as we become thought leaders, uh, what is it that stops most people from gaining the visibility they need to in their market? Because I think that's the, that's like kind of the, the elephant in the room for most people is they've got this mission, they know what they want to do, and they've got these big, big dreams, but they're not just getting in front of enough of the right people. What is, what can we do to fix that? You know, I, I really believe in, in all the years that I've worked with entrepreneurs, it's the fear of criticism, that they want to be liked and they want to be loved. And again, you're, you're not going to be liked by everybody. And a, a great example is a woman named Tia Torres, who actually founded an organization that rescues pit bulls and the abused and the abandoned pit bulls. And her whole deal is a, a TV show called uh, Pit Bulls and Parolees, and she actually rehabilitates the pit bulls, she rehabilitates the parolees. And these are people, mostly men, that have been in the federal pen. And you can well imagine the kind of criticism that she has received as a result of doing what she's doing. But there was this invisible line that she crossed where initially there was a lot of uh, resistance. There were people that were really opposed to having her do this. And now because they see the great work that she's doing, her organization is thriving. And she's really doing a lot of good in the world. Well, there are people that would have gotten that first bit of resistance and said, okay, obviously I shouldn't be doing this. So the fear of criticism is one big reason. Another reason is it's not necessarily easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. I mean, the steps to gaining visibility are pretty simple, but then there's work that's involved. And, you know, one of the the challenges I have with what's been taught on the internet, and I'm an internet marketer, Uh, I use the internet to get my message out, I teach my clients to do that, but there's this hype of you don't need to work for it, you need to do it on a shoestring budget, you just need to press a button, you're going to make all this money, well there's a lot that comes before that, and Anybody who's running a business and using the Internet as a vehicle to get their message out needs to realize that you're running a business. And if you were running a, if you had a brick and mortar business, you would be making investments in the physical building, in the inventory that you have, in the staff that you hire. And for some reason, a lot of people have missed that very important element in using the Internet to get their message out there. So it's, you know, the fear of criticism, it's the um, unwillingness to work hard for what they want, and not being willing to invest in the appropriate resources, whether it be time, money, uh, inventory, whatever it is that you need to have to run your business. But most of all, it's the fear that, you know, uh, they're, they're going to get criticized, or it's the fear of succeeding, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a big responsibility that comes with that. Um, so I would say it's people's own um, inability to see their own greatness and step into that that really holds them back. Very cool. I love that. Now, a couple of things that you just said there I think we, I want to talk about for just a second. One of them is, you know, it's the, the fact of the fear of criticism. And I, and I think we beat that one to, to death at this point because it is Oh, I want so to beat important. it some more. Let's beat it to no, just kidding. <laughs> no, but it, and it is so true. And, it, and I, I know that even, even myself, I, I've been there before, and we talked about that for a second. But one of the things you just said I think is really, really kind of stands out is – when, especially when it comes to internet marketing and 
is that you have to invest in your business. Yeah. And I think that let's talk about that for a bit, not even just internet marketing, but in general, because I'm seeing a big resistance right now with people, even people that I work with and clients where they'll, they talk about, you know, they'll go out and they'll spend, you know, a hundred bucks on dinner, but they're afraid to spend 20 bucks on a, a plugin for their website. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the logic isn't there with that. So let's talk about that for a second. Well, you know, a great example is um, I have been doing teleseminars and webinars for years. And years ago when I started doing teleseminars, if you had 100 people who signed up, 100 people showed up, and 100 people stayed through the end. I mean, it was just uh, so different than what it is today. And today, mm-hmm. if you have 100 people who sign up, you're lucky if you get 10 to 20 to 25 people who will actually show up and stay through the whole thing. Because right. we have trained them to um, know that they're going to get a replay of these teleseminars and webinars, especially the complimentary ones. Oh, don't worry. We'll, you know, we'll cobble you and we'll baby you and we'll accommodate your schedule. So what I decided to do was put a posting up on Facebook to see people's feelings about this. And I said, um, you know, there's a new trend that's happening and I want to be the, the thought leader in this. And I said, there's a new trend happening where we're noticing people aren't showing up when they sign up for these teleseminars and webinars and they're not necessarily giving a replay. What are your thoughts on this? It was amazing the sense of entitlement that people had. Well, Mike's schedule can't accommodate theirs, so they need to put up this free uh, replay, and you know they have to accommodate me. And I'm thinking, okay, let's switch it. And I said, now, you're the one doing the complimentary teleseminar or webinar. How do you feel about accommodating everybody's schedule? Haven't gotten any traction on that. Nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> and the reality is, is that... Before the Internet, before we had all the replays, before we made it so convenient for people to uh, listen when they wanted to, people had to show up or they didn't get it. And I think that in many ways, people have become lazy around running their business. And it's, you know, whether it be the monetary investments, whether it be the time investments or the resources that they need to invest in, people have gotten really lazy. And I think that What really, and not I think, I know that what really needs to happen is people need to step up to the plate and start running their business like a real business, and that includes making investments in their business. And, you know, I think that we need to quit coddling people. Um, That's why I, you know, I'm known as the no-nonsense mentor. It's because let's not beat around the bush. If you've got something you need to do, you need to get in there and do it, roll up your sleeves, and put the effort into making it happen. And so I think a lot of times people have gotten pretty lazy all the way around. Yeah, and I love that. And I did see that post. I hadn't had a chance to actually reply back yet, but I did see when you put it up there. And I think it, it's amazing because when you do you do look at that, the, the entitlement mindset, which we see it a lot in society in general. But if, from a business standpoint, people get upset when you don't do a replay or, you know, if you don't offer it, you know, that they can download it and things like that. And they're like, this is – I'm giving this to you as a freebie. Why are, you know, I don't get why you're upset because I'm not giving you – even more. Right. right. Well, and, we've trained them that way. We actually have trained them that way, and now it's yeah. time to train them in a different way. And, you know, this is the power of running a business that you actually do have the ability to uh, create trends. You have an ability to um, mold people's thinking. Um, but it's really what's the uh, the motive behind what you're doing. And I remember years ago, a good friend of mine who I've done a fair amount of business with, Denise Wakeman, she did this thing where, okay, we're going to do the free teleseminar, and if you can't make it, you pay $5 for the replay. 
oh my gosh, you would have thought that she robbed Fort Knox. It was like, you can't do that. I can't believe you're doing it. And she said, yes, I can. If you can't make it to the live one and you're not willing to pay $5, then obviously the information isn't worth that much to you. Mm-hmm. And and so in some cases, what we need to do is we need to set a standard that we would hold ourselves to. Because I look at the investments I make in my own business, and you know, this last year, it's been in the six figures of investment in my business, whether it be with my mentor, with a new website, with a new branding. And I look at that, and I think there was a day that I just wanted to make that much in my business, let alone invest it. And Early on, I looked for every way to get something for nothing, and I soon realized that that was not how I was going to grow my business. Right. And I think that that is our realization, especially in today's world. And I see it more um, with um, more coaches, people, you know, coaches, consultants, internet marketing, that side than then as much with the brick and mortar. But I do see it across the board where people are, they're always cutting corners mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Kind of things, and you know, you you bring up a, a really good point on how much you spent on growing your business, and you know, that's one thing that I think that, that we really need to touch on for just a minute is when you're investing in your business, you got to look at um, what you're investing in the business and what you're investing in yourself as well, and that's Absolutely. why I'm an I'm an advocate for training and coaching and things like that. I know you are. And and you and I know you talked at at the event. You talked about um, you being with um, having Suzanne Evans as one of your coaches, mm-hmm. which she mm-hmm. is just an awesome rock star. I got introduced to her from Larry Winget. So oh okay um, okay so yeah, yeah she's pretty amazing. You know, and it's interesting because people. I, I remember being at her event, Be the Change, uh, probably three four months ago, and about a thousand people were there. And after one break, she got back on the platform and she said, "You know, I, I oftentimes have people say." I would give anything to be doing what you're doing. I really want to do what you're doing. And she said, no, you wouldn't. She goes, if you were wanting to do what I'm doing, you would make the kind of investments that I make. And you, the, her whole story is that a few years ago that she actually got a card table, put it up at Whole Foods, and started doing life coaching in the vegetable department at Whole Foods. Why she picked the vegetable department is beyond my, you know, my scope of understanding. But the reality is, is now she runs a multi-million dollar business and she has taken huge risks. That's one of the reasons I hired her because I wanted somebody guiding me that had been there, done that. And when people look for a mentor, they should look for the people that have a track record that really are doing what they say they're doing. And a lot of times I, I've had people say to me, well, it's easy for you, Kathleen, to invest 100000 in your business because you're you're so lucky or you have the money. And it's like, the money oftentimes will come after we take that step, that courageous step to say, I believe enough in what I'm doing, I believe enough in my purpose that I'm willing to make the investments. But it's also being wise in those investments. I was working with a client that no matter how much she made, she could never get ahead of the game because she would make these, well, she would spend money in ways that was just so inappropriate to her long-term vision. And she had a real problem with spending money. She was addicted to spending money. And in that case, it's not an investment, it's an expense, and it's a waste of money. So you really have to look at when you're thinking about the investments you want to make. First of all, do you have the time to follow through? Is this going to serve you in your long-term vision of your business, and what's the motive behind why you're doing it? And the motive could be that you might buy a program 
to avoid doing something else. And so if you're somebody who's a, an information junkie, like a lot of us are, are you applying the information? Are you taking the time to study? Are you utilizing the information to take your business to the next level? Or are you just buying program after program after program and basically letting everything collect dust? So one of the things when I work with my clients, we really step back. I have one client I just started working with who has created a ton of product. And I said, okay, you're going to do what my mentor told me to do quit creating product, let's get it organized, let's really take inventory and stock of where you're at, and then move forward. And she goes, well, I've, I've already talked to somebody about creating my website, and I said, you are not to create a website at this point in time. We need to take stock of where you're at. And that's something that business owners and entrepreneurs really need to look at is, what do you already have that you can work with, and not start creating more and more and more, because sometimes that's a diversion and that's a bright, shiny object. Right, and I can I can totally agree with that. I'm one that's known for creating new products because I have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But I have I, I actually got to that point where I stopped and I realized that I was spending more time creating products than I was actually marketing and selling those products. Yes, yes, and uh, you know I I have more product than I even know what I have. And one of the things that the coming year is going to be about is we actually are contracting a, a very dear friend colleague of mine who uh, specializes in sales funnels. You actually heard her speak mm-hmm. at my event. And we're, we're looking at all the product I have, how we can put everything into a really nice streamlined sales funnel process and what I need to let go of, what I need to revamp. And so I'm going to bring a team of people together that will help me with this process because it makes no sense. And this is another thing that when when I'm working with entrepreneurs to help them realize what they should be doing and what they should outsource or hire somebody for. Very cool. I love it, and I and I did see that presentation, and and definitely, you know, it was Susan, and she. The great thing about her presentation was she and I think very, very much alike. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at looking at some of the stuff she's doing, going, okay, yeah, we've got this going, and we've got this going, and yeah, here's the stuff that I missed on my part, and you know, right. that kind of thing. Well, you know, so, and, and that's what's great about hiring mentors and, and, and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you are, because you never want to be the smartest person in the room. I mean, it, it, that, it's really easy to be a big fish in a little pond. What you want to do is you want to immerse yourself and be surrounded by people that are just rock stars in their own right, because it forces you to raise your own bar. You either melt into the woodwork or you stand tall and you say, okay, I've got to raise my bar. Right. Awesome. Very, very cool. So one of the things that you talk about um, when you work with clients, you help them integrate their personality into their business. And that, I think, is very, very critical in today's world. You know, we go with that concept of personal branding, that today people don't really care about the corporate business and the logo so much. They really want to get to know the person. So how does that really, you know, help them grow their businesses from putting their personality in there? Well, then they, they stand out in the marketplace because, like myself, uh, for, for years I would wear business suits when I did presentations, and it was because it was familiar. It was a, you know, a coat of armor I had on. And actually it was Susan. She was one of the first people who said, what are you doing wearing a business suit? You have no business wearing that anymore. That's not who you are. And I thought, well, what will people think? And little by little I, I realized that, you know, I was holding myself back by, trying to portray something I wasn't any longer comfortable with. I, I'm not a, a 
suit person anymore. And really what my look is, is I wear Western boots. I live in a rural community in Oregon, and I, I, I have horses, so I wear my Western boots. I wear nice Levi's. I wear maybe a, a nice leather jacket. And that's really what my look is, and it fits my personality more than a business suit would. Um, I talk about my animals. I talk about, uh, you know, the organizations that I donate to. That's all a part of my own personal branding. And so the reason I really encourage my clients to do that is it makes people remember you. People are going to remember you more for who you truly are than who you try to be. Very good. And I do I agree with that completely. And I I went through that same kind of process a while back when I used to be the, the suit and tie type of guy. I had the long sleeve shirt, the tie all the time, slacks, all that kind of stuff. And at one point, I actually was at a session with my coach and my partner, and she said, uh, my coach actually tried to put me in a different personality profile that I was really comfortable with, and I didn't understand why she was putting me there. And my, my partner said, well, quite honestly, it's because I know the real you, you're a laid-back guy. You used to be a major rocker. I mean, for and I don't know if I told you this story, but I used to actually be in the rock and roll worlds. Wow. Uh, back in, yeah, I used to do lighting and audio and work with all kinds of people, everything from Ozzy Osbourne to Smothers Brothers. And but then I realized that when I when I got into the business world and started my own business, I got very corporate and I totally shut off my personal side. Mm-hmm. And so this one day, Cindy and I are driving back from this you know, half-day session type thing and I was really upset because she kept putting me in the analytical category and, and I was like, that's not me. And Cindy's like, well, it's because you know, I know you better than this because I've known you for so long, but everyone kind of sees you as a little stuffy. And I was just like, Really? And I hadn't realized how far I'd put myself into that box. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that, I mean, it clicked. And as soon as I opened up, I started lay, being more laid back, sort of being more myself. I talked the way that I talk because that's my real personality. I'm not as politically correct as I used to be. And, you know, you'll see me, uh, you might see me in a nice jacket, but you're going to see me in T-shirts and jeans at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once I made that shift, all of a sudden my business started exploding. You know, it's so interesting how that works. It, it's kind of like uh, when people say, you know, everybody is their market and they, they think they're going to lose business because of that. But when they really fine tune and they, they niche what they're doing, um, they tend to make more money. And it's the same with being who we are. And when we're truly who we are, we never have to look over our shoulder and say, now, what did I say to this group of people? What did I say to this group of people? And, you know, a great example is I have a life partner that I've been with, uh, actually, recently, it was our 24 years together. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you shouldn't talk about it. You have a life partner. Well, I used to hold that. I was like in my own closet of, oh, I can't tell people about that. And I was always wondering, you know, what group would it be okay to talk about that? What group wouldn't it be? And finally, I said, the hell with it. I'm just going to be who I am. And since that time, sure, there's people who opted out of my list, and there's other people who said, now we get to know the real you. And they've embraced who I'm uh, involved with. They want to know more about her life. They like her better than me. And it's like, oh, great. And um, But the, the reality is, is that I used to worry about who, would, um, who I would say what to, and now I don't have to worry about it at all. That is just a part of my life. It's a big part of my life. And, uh, you know, so th- that's a great example of just being true to who you are. Right, and I and I love that, and I think that it's amazing when when you go through and you actually embrace that and say, okay, I'm just going to be me. It is amazing how relieving that really is. 
It really is. It really is. Yes. And, you know, when it comes to, and you're going back to, like, my, my own story of, when I, you know, when I had everything so personal and business was so separate, once I actually started embracing that and saying, you know what, this is just me, and I'm gonna, my business and my personal aren't different, which as entrepreneurs, they're not really. You know, our, it, our business ends up bringing into a lot of our personal lives, and our personal lives are going to take over everything no matter what, just because mm-hmm. that's the nature of the beast. But, you know, once you do that, you start just being you, and you just have fun while you're doing it. It's so much more relaxing. You get those people that um, – it's amazing how many people have actually bought my products because I'm a dog lover. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And, yeah. uh, you know, and – if somebody's not a dog lover and they actually hate dogs, it's like they're definitely not my market, you know. So, because yeah, yeah. So I get it, I get it, and and I think that we can. Add, that's where being a thought leader comes in is when you are truly being who you are, and you're not forcing it. You're just who you are. Um, you tend to attract more of the kind of people that you love doing business with. Right, and I, and I that is so true, and it's it's amazing when that happens because your clients, you end up getting better clients that you really resonate with, you have fun working with. I mean, we've all been in that situation where we've had a client that that we just couldn't stand, and if you can get away from that because you're more authentic, you're going to attract the right people to you, and that's what this really boils down to. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so what are your five five favorite ways to gain visibility? Because we talked about we talked about that at the beginning of you know becoming a thought leader and leader and becoming more visible. You know, what are your what are your favorite ways to gain more visibility in the world? Well, you know, some of the ways that I enjoy gaining visibility, and I, I encourage my clients to do the same thing, is to find blogs that have a similar market reach as, as I do, because then I'm actually getting a third-party endorsement by the fact the blog owner says, okay, we want your, your material. Um, so guest blogging is one way that I love to do that. Interviews, uh, doing what we're doing right now, uh, being able to share my, my perspective and my point of view uh, on interviews, great way to get visibility. So I always encourage clients to go out and look for those opportunities. And it's really interesting because visibility begets visibility. The more visible you are, the more visibility you get to create. And so uh, writing articles, because everything is about um, putting your point of view out there. And the vehicles can be through uh, the written word. It can be through uh, visuals. It can be through audios. And so I would say interviews would be another way. Being a featured speaker at somebody else's conference. And in some cases, you have to pay for that opportunity. Uh, Sponsorships are a great way to do it where you pay for the privilege of being on the main platform, uh, the main stage. And then another one, a great way is to create your own events because there's nothing that will help you to become a perceived expert quicker than doing your own event and doing it well. So those would be the five different ways. Those are awesome, and let's talk about those for a couple couple minutes because I think that you, you covered some really good ones really, really fast, and I think that, that a lot of times, especially for small business entrepreneurs, maybe somebody who's just starting out, they think that that, that right there, they look at that list and they instantly get overwhelmed and, and scared because number one is when you start doing interviews and things like that, that's kind of a scary process when you think about, well, what do they, you know, why would they really want to listen to me? And, you know, think about it is that, like, this right here, this show, um, I started this in order to give back and and have a way for me to contribute something completely for free, no questions asked, 
and add value to the world for other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. When I did this, I also looked at what are the benefits on there too. And there's the one side is that I get to meet really cool people, which is a lot of fun because Mm -hmm. I get some of the most amazing guests on the show. You know, I mean, we just talked, we just talked about Suzanne Evans for a second. Her and Larry Winget do a lot of stuff. And I have had had Larry on my show, which is, was just a blast because he's a riot to talk to. Um, I get to meet cool people on my show. I get to then build relationships, which then opens up the door for me to possibly do guest interviews on other people's shows and things like that as well. And none of this is costing anything from that right. standpoint. Right. You know, it doesn't it doesn't cost me money to put this stuff together. It's actually not that hard. It doesn't cost you money to come on board because I'm not asking you to I'm not you're not paying me to be a, a guest. I mm-hmm. came to you and said, Would you be a guest? Because I think you've got great stuff to share. So things like that, and you can get interviewed so easy in so many different places that a lot of times people don't realize that you don't have to start with, you know, you know the the Today Show. Absolutely, and and really, um, the the thing that you want to keep in mind is if you have not gotten a track record from, uh, like I used to do a lot of local media stuff long before the internet came along. I, I was in broadcast media many years ago, and a lot of people would say, "Oh, I want to get on the big shows," and you have to start right in your own backyard. You start organically, and if you do a great job in your own backyard, then it starts spreading like wildfire. Because a lot of people, yeah, they think they have to go right to the top. Well, there's a period where really it's it's your um, period of adapting to the process of interviewing. It's being somebody who's engaging on a a conversation. And, you know, myself, it used to be when I was getting ready to do an interview, I would stress about it for weeks on end. And now if somebody called and said, hey, can you do an interview in a half hour? If I have an open time slot and it's a good fit for what I want to do and get my message out, I'll get on the phone and I have a conversation. And the two of us had talked about that. Let's have a conversation. And so the more you do it, the more comfortable you become and the more appealing you become. And so it's really starting right where you're at with what you're equipped to handle. When I first started on the internet, how I got my visibility was as an article marketer. I, I remember Jeff Herring, I bought one of his programs many, many, many years ago. And he was talking about how you could get a lot of visibility by writing articles. And there were a few directories at the time, nothing like what we have now. And so I started posting many articles. Well, that would open doors for me. And then one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And so I always encourage people just start right where you're at. And it could be with your own blog. Um, Before you can do guest blogging, people need to see that you have a track record of writing well. And so start your own blog and blog on a regular basis. That will create opportunities for you. So you don't have to do it all at once. As a matter of fact, at the event, I was talking about different products that people created. It can create. I had a list of about 15 different things that they could create. And I said, now don't think that you're going to go home and create all of these in a week. Start with something doable, something manageable, something small and then grow from there. And it's the same with getting visibility. You don't need to try to do everything right away. Right, and I love that because you just start with, you know, one thing, just take that one piece at a time. And I, I do want to bring up, you know, with that whole concept of guest blogging, a lot of times people even forget about traditional offline media too. Oh, I know, you know I know. News, newspapers and things like that, the, a lot of local magazines, they're still looking for content. 
And, you know, you uh, bring up – that's a great point, Eli, because um, what many people don't realize, they, they think that the media that is full of a bunch of gods and that we have to bow down to them. The reality is is that they're on very tight time frames. They, they're always going to press, the newspapers, for example, and they need good content. And so if – I used to write for the business journal in Salt Lake. It was the uh, one of the business journals of the syndication, and – I had the opportunity to write one article. They liked it, and they ended up having me be a feature, a monthly columnist. And that led into other opportunities, and that created so many business opportunities for me. So, you know, your local media or standard print publications, definitely a route to go. And you're right. Yeah. A lot of people have forgotten about that. Yeah, and something that you know, one that that I still to this day do. When we when we moved up here to Portland, we ended up joining one of the local chambers, and I, you know, it's it's one of those things. They're not necessarily all of you know the majority of my clients that still come in from the online world, but I get a couple people here or there, and I like doing it because I like being part of the community. But for me. I, uh, that gives me another outlet that the, the chamber newsletter actually wants mm-hmm. people to submit stuff. And it amazes me that like we have maybe five people that actually submit every single week versus the 900 members they have. I know. I know. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's, it's so simple. That's, that's the thing. You know, I think we've talked about this a few times, how simple this whole process is. Not always easy, but the simplicity is, is, it's available for everybody, and you just need to look at what other people are doing who are succeeding, figure out their model, and do it. it it's so simple. Yeah, definitely. Now, one of the things you talked about was also speaking and speaking at other events, speaking at creating your own events, things like that. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, first thing is if somebody's just you're trying to figure out, okay, maybe, maybe I'm a landscaper, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how could I possibly use speaking as – a tool to market my business? A great opportunity for a landscaper would be to do a one-hour workshop on what kind of fertilizers to use at what time of the year. And I'll tell you, if I could find somebody who could speak on the topic of how to get rid of moles and gophers in your yard, we have a lot of property. And my front yard, the other day I woke up to about 10 little mounds of dirt. And if somebody was doing a free workshop on how to get rid of moles and gophers, believe me, I would go. And if they said, here's a product that will get rid of it, I would buy that product. Um, So as a landscaper, you could talk about uh, what kind of flowers to plant for your particular region. You could talk about uh, how to save money on finding a gardener. There's so many different opportunities. You could partner with a nursery and where they would actually sponsor you coming in and they would help with the marketing. Um, and if somebody is intimidated by speaking, I would recommend join a Toastmasters group because a lot of people cut their teeth on Toastmasters. It's a great organization that helps you to get comfortable with your message and how you present. Right, and I love that. And that is a great organization. I, I can't count the number of people that have, that have said that that's how they got over their fear of speaking. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And I love the fact that I would do a two-minute presentation and they would applaud me and give me a ribbon. It's like, oh, I'm going to keep coming back, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And it is really cool. And you've, you know, you've done that. You talk about 
you know, getting up on a stage and just doing something simple. And it's not like we're not talking about a big room full of 300 people. We're talking about five people at a little workshop. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes the smaller groups are actually more beneficial than large groups, and you can have a great impact. I I have one gentleman who's a dear friend of mine now, and he was a client at one point, a cosmetic dentist. And he started doing workshops uh, teaching people about dentistry and how to choose a good dentist and, you know, how to take care of your teeth. And he would lead into some of the uh, services that he offered. The very first session that he did, I think there were about 12 people there, he generated six $68,000 in back-end business as a result of a 12-person workshop. Very cool. That is awesome. Those are are the kind of things that we like to hear. Absolutely. It can be done. I mean, of course, you know, results are not typical. We've got to say that because of the FTC. (laughs) Results are not typical, especially if you're not a cosmetic dentist. Well, yeah, I know. But you're right, you're right. And and this is another thing. It's like being prepared for a good presentation, uh, really looking at what is the, the number one problem your market has and what's the solution you bring to the table and not making it a whole pitch fest, not trying to sell the whole way through. If you create a lot of value for your market, that's when people are interested in buying your products and services. But if all you're doing is trying to sell from the go-get, you're probably not going to do real well. Right, and I do love that, and that is so, so important. You know, when I first started speaking years ago, one of my mentors is Armin Morin. And, oh, yes. And when I when I first learned from him from the, the speaking standpoint, it wasn't even a – he wasn't actually teaching you know, speaking skills at that time, but it was just something he brought up in conversation. He said, when you're up on stage, and the stage could be, you know, five people, local chamber of commerce, or 5,000 people. It doesn't really matter. The presentation is the same. You want to add so much value that when you do actually go to sell them something – they are excited to get it because of the fact that what you gave them was so much value. They said, oh, my God, this is what they gave me for free. What's in the box? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if somebody decides that that's not the right fit for them, they still walk away going, wow, maybe this wasn't a good fit for me, but he really did add a lot of good value. And and that's the one thing I took to heart from the very beginning. And I've done this where I literally spoke for – for groups of three people because somebody that was promoting the event didn't do as well as he thought he was going to, ended up having three people in the door, and I said, you know what, I'm still here, let's do this thing. And we did it, had a great time. Those three people, they took the time out of their day, so I put on the best show that I could for them. And at the end, I actually ended up making like 600 bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody earlier today who uh, has an event coming up, and it's not, she's not filling it as, as much as she would have liked. And she goes, if I don't get this number of people, I'm canceling it. And I said, what about the people who have already paid? They've already blocked out that time. You're doing them a disservice. And I was taught very early on when I became a professional speaker that if you said you're going to be somewhere and you expected 100 people and only one shows up, you show up for that one person and you give it 100%. And I, I'm very fortunate that I had a extremely, extremely good mentor at that time who taught me that kind of a value. When you are giving, it's not the number of people you're giving to, it's the amount of commitment that you have in the success of your presentation. 
Right. I love that. That is so, so critical. And I've, and I've seen that before, um, especially in today's world, just like you were talking about teleseminars earlier. You know, even the speaking world, it's actually almost harder because of the fact that people have to travel. So you're right. getting less, you know, less show ups and people deciding that, oh, well, I really don't even want to drive across town and those mm-hmm. kind of things. So it's always hard. But what you want to do is you want to reward those people that actually do show up because those could be, those are the people that turn into your raving fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Very cool. So what would you say is one surefire way to be seen and heard without turning back? Oh, what a great question. Um, I would say make a public commitment. Just put your stake in the ground say, okay, I'm doing X on such and such date. I've done that with books that I've published. Uh, I've done that with events that I've done that you – and, you know, I can go as far back as 1986 when I did a huge event in San Francisco. It was to raise funds to create the AIDS Foundation in San Francisco. And at that time, I signed a contract for $2,500 to rent a venue. And if we didn't fill that room, it was coming out of my pocket. And I didn't have $2,500, but I so believed in what I was doing. So it's – Make a commitment and stick to that commitment, and no matter what, you're going to make it work. And and sometimes it'll work differently than you anticipated, but it's just walking through whatever you need to walk through, getting really creative, because if one thing doesn't work, figure out something else. And it's always asking the question of, okay, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to do? What else do I need to do? Instead of saying, well, why isn't this working? It's like, okay, what would make it work? So make a public commitment. I love that. And usually I have, right as I start wrapping things up, I have one last question, which is, what is that action item people can take immediately? And I think that you just pretty much said it. I I love that. Thank you. So as we're wrapping up here, I know we're we're getting close to time. Um, Two last questions for you. Obviously, I'm going to find out, you know, I want people to be able to get to find out more about you. But what kind of stuff do you have going on? What's going on in your future? Well, um, there's a few things. I'm going to be speaking at Niche Affiliate Marketing Systems in Atlanta, Georgia in February. Um, And so people in that area, I'd love to have you come out to that conference. I'm going to be doing another Power Up for Profits live. Uh, We're deciding between the Atlanta market and the San Diego market uh, to have the event. That's going to happen in May. And then I'm going to do another one in October or November, probably in Portland. Um, I have a book that I'm working on. I'm working on my memoir. And so there's a few things in in, uh, the works. And I'm also, after 19 years in business, I am moving into an office off-site from my home, which is really exciting. And uh, we we had to make sure it was a great location so our dogs can come to visit during the day. Uh, You know, that's the most important thing. But um, so we got quite a few things in the works. Very cool, and I love that. I did see those pictures of the new office that you're that you're set and getting set up. So that's awesome. Very cool. Thank you. So, well, I look forward to the next event that you have coming here in Portland. Uh, I, you know, you know me at this point. I, I'm definitely a raving fan, and I Thank will be you. there if at all possible. Um, with that, what is you know? I know people are going to want to find out more about you. You also have a book that we did not talk about, and I do. I will make sure that I link to this in the show notes. Uh, but you have the book Power Up to Profits. Yeah. Uh, give me just a quick 
30 seconds of what the book is about and who it's for. It does say Smart Women's Guide to Online Marketing. Well, a lot of men have bought it to see what the secret for women is. But um, quite seriously, it's been described as the Bible of online marketing to gain visibility. And it covers virtually everything you need to go to know to really get a lot of visibility, everything from blogging, uh, guest blogging, media releases, uh, teleseminars, webinars. So, you know, there's a lot to go into, and it's about 300 pages of really great content. And people can find that on Amazon, and they can also visit my website at powerupforprofits.com. Awesome. And, and we'll Eli, sure. I just want to say thank you. This has been delightful. You're, you're a wonderful person to have a conversation with. And to everybody listening in, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure having you on as a guest. This is going to be fun. You and I are definitely going to be staying in touch and, and working together on some other things down the road. Sounds and great. For everybody listening, uh, get out there. Have a rock star week. And as always, if there's anything that I can do to help you out, reach out and let me know. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey there, this is Eli again, and I got a question for you. Do you have a roadmap for marketing your business? If you're consistently looking for new marketing ideas just to keep your business going, then you need to check out smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com and download the free special report that I created to help you create a marketing plan that will thrive in any economy. Again, that's smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com. Go get it, read it, and start the road trip of your lifetime. See you on the other side.